0: Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Captain Jean-Luc Picard, of the U-exist Enterprise. Captain Jean-Luc Picard, of the U-exist Enterprise. Temba, his arms wide. This is the greatest generation. A Star Trek podcast by two guys who are shaka when the walls fell about having a Star Trek podcast. I am one of your hosts.
1: Ben Harrison Uh, I'm your other host Adam Pranica Adam and Ben on the podcast
0: fart jokes on the podcast dick jokes on the podcast Benjamin R.
1: Harrison his lungs clear
0: Adam sitting in his basement Ben sitting in his loft
1: (laughs) Adam not getting electrocuted by his podcast gear (laughs) <laughs> Adam not Shaka when the walls fell by his podcast gear. Yeah, I got I got Shaka in the headphones on the last episode. <laughs> that wasn't fun. Oh man.
0: Star Trek Puncast. Now Adam, we're here we're here today to talk about an episode that has been perhaps the most anticipated episode since we started the show. You think? I mean it's definitely like the one that comes up most often, I think
1: when you think of the one hundred and seventy something episodes of this program, this is definitely an outlier in terms of how the story functions what what it's about. It is really weird this it's is, super weird I think this is I, the this may only be the second or third time I've ever seen this episode. I'm gonna go ahead and throw it right right up on my mount uh my what do we
0: call the mountain of good ones?
1: <laughs> God, I don't know. I I'm Didn't, inclined. To, I'm inclined to call mine the Mount Riker. Mount Nuckmore. Maybe. That's just the ones with lots
0: of dicks in them,
1: right? Yeah, yeah. That that's a whole separate mountain. <laughs> that's a mountain they keep behind the curtain at the video store. You
0: don't Mount Riker. Riker
1: mounts you, Adam. Yes, it's true. That's how it feels gazing upon Mount Riker.
0: I'm sure that Riker is into bottoming just as much as he's into topping. Sure. so omnivorous that guy, yeah you know? yeah, but i I think it's I think it's easily one of the best episodes and uh and I think it is because it is so unflinchingly weird.
1: I'm going to disagree with you about this, and I think I'll get into why uh as we move through the episode. How about that, Ben?
0: Wow, so uh, some some tension is already established.
1: We're doing a little count pointer count here on mm-hmm. The Greatest Generation. <laughs> I'm sure that made sense for
0: some people. <laughs>
1: <laughs> for people who like Kentucky Fried Movie, it's season five, episode two, Darmok.
0: The entrepreneur is headed into an uninhabited system. They're going to meet up with this this species that has been tricky to uh, to meet meet up with. What are they? They're called the Children of Tamar, right? And there have been a few attempts at first contact with these guys in the past. None of them have gone well. And uh, I love the way they describe how these things ended. Oh, this sorry, it's the Children of Tama and uh, <laughs> Federation vessels have encountered Tamarian ships 7 times over the past 100 years. Each meeting went without incident. However, formal relations were not established because communication was not possible. Why? The Children of Tama were called incomprehensible by Captain Silvestri of the Shikamaru.
1: I love the idea of a ship making first contact with these people and then just sort of giving up. Like, yeah, just be like, huh? They're like they just Fuck was shrugged that? their shoulders and they were like, "All right, well, let's uh, reverse course and leave these people."
0: Yeah, it's an episode with um, a a big first. Uh, we're we're unveiling the suede jacket era of Picard in this episode, uh, which is
1: a lot of fun. It really like if Picard the character were an action figure. He's been yeah. given his action jacket. Like this is this is a prop for him. Mhm. In a way that I feel like few other characters have really had. This is a red suede leather leatherman jacket with leather shoulders.
0: I wonder what the motivation was behind this cuz a lot of the time when they do a a modification to uniform it's like to cover that somebody's pregnant. And I don't think that's the case here.
1: I don't think it is either, and if we had done any research, I think we probably could have uh, figured out the answer to this. I just felt like, you know, Pat Pistew is the oldest cast member on the senior staff. He's probably just going to be more comfortable in some looser-fitting clothing, right? Mm. And he's probably yeah. cold all the time. Yeah, it's a drafty bridge. Ben, do you have any clothes that make you feel like you're action figure special. Like what are like if you were an action figure, what would be in your action figure playset? What is your action jacket? Uh I have a jacket that I really like
0: that I actually left backstage at our Portland show. Oh <laughs> on no. <our> tour. Uh <laughs> and uh Boy we really
1: didn't make anything on that show
0: did we? No yeah that was like a yeah two hundred and fifty dollar jacket that I <laughs> left in Oregon. <laughs> <laughs> Fortunately, a friend of mine live, uh lives locally and he managed to swing by the venue and scoop it up. Uh so I think it's uh I think it's in the mail right now, but uh yeah, I've been I've been without my action jacket for a long time and I felt like uh, you know, half the man that
1: I normally am. I feel like this concept isn't unique to Picard. Like I definitely feel like I have a I have what I'm calling, like, my gray action cardigan when I have an important work meeting. See this tie? $20. See the shoes? $50. See the suit? $200. Like, Mm. I'll I'll throw that on there, and it it makes my posture better. Gets me ready for action. Like, this seems like a thing. This seems like a mindful thing that Picard's doing. I mean, I'm very rich. I'm very influential. I'm very well-liked. I mean, I got lots of friends.
0: This episode, like, everything before the opening title is... It almost feels like somebody who normally writes for SNL was asked to write, like, a really square opening scene for Star Trek The Next Generation and then leave. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's like somebody who's had the show described to them a few times, but hasn't actually seen an episode. And, uh... It's like a McLaughlin group. Issue one, and it's like Picard and Troy and Data and Riker sitting around talking about this situation they're flying into. I guess probably Worf is there too, but uh, but the uh, we come back from the the title sequence, and it's like and it's like just a it's like a play, you know. It's like a it's like a it's like two parallel storylines happening. One is Picard on the surface of this planet with the captain of the other ship, and the other is Riker and the rest of the crew up in orbit trying to understand why the aliens have abducted their captain, why they are shooting this like interference beam at the, at the planet's atmosphere that's pre- preventing communications or transporter beams, and like what the fuck is going on like they they think it might be like a counting coup type of situation like uh like the code of honor episode although they're very careful not to mention that episode uh but you know for all they know like the the aliens have stolen the captain so that their that their captain can ritually uh fight him or something like that and and it's just a uh, it's it's just a struggle to like get get Picard back the entire time.
1: It feels uh it feels like the tension runs parallel to Best of Both Worlds, like this is now the second time in the span of a season when Picard's been kidnapped hmm. and taken away from the crew and I feel like Riker's sense of urgency throughout uh is far greater for it. Like no one mentions that this is the second time the captain's been kidnapped, <laughs> but it was all—it was all I could think about. It was like, yeah. not again.
0: Yeah, and um, and he seems more like he's—he's kind of willing to bend the rules more this time. I feel like you know, like he wants to—he wants to. Are pursue you talking a about of, Riker? Yeah, he's cultivating lots of options for how they're gonna get around this but you know like one of the two tracks that he's got going is uh maybe we have to start shooting
1: yeah are we going to t- to attempt to tell this story in a in a linear fashion cuz it it's really hard to to do a story capsule when when some of it's in a foreign language right i guess so this made me think of a situation I was in in... Uh, well, let's start with the story, I guess, we'll, and we'll go from there. Wow. The entrepreneur rolls up on this Temerian ship, and they start talking. And they're very hopeful. The tone at the, at the time is... Is great. Like Picard's one of the great diplomats. Uh, he spoke insect once to that <laughs> one planet.
0: <laughs> He's a
1: yeah. guy that knows how to do these first contact missions, you know, regardless of how difficult the form of communication may be. And so he puts on his kind voice, gets him up on the FaceTime and starts doing his his introduction.
0: Would you be prepared to consider the creation of a mutual non-aggression pact between our two peoples, possibly leading to a trade agreement and cultural interchange? Does this sound like a reasonable course of action to you? But
1: the Tamarian's introduction is in English, but in, like, all of the words make sense as words, but they're in an order and a format that is incomprehensible.
0: Bry and Jerry at Lunga.
1: And so they go back and forth a couple of times. And finally finally the Temerian crew grows so frustrated with their language barrier that they get into an argument on the other side.
0: Yeah, and and I mean uh, we might want to come back to this, but uh I feel like you know having seen the episode like rewatching their frustration like i sort of headcanon some some motive onto their captain as being like we are aware that there are other species that have figured out how to have spaceships how to fly around like we know about a lot of stuff around here but we've never been able to communicate with any of them and i want to like make sure we actually do this like I want to I want to start talking to somebody cuz we know that they're out there. There's got to be something we can do about this because their language is so weird that they've never been able to to break through that barrier with anybody. And so I I sort of see this crew as being people who are, you know, on this ship and and, you know, under his orders but really skeptical of what he's trying to accomplish. Sure. So, so their frustration is really different from the frustration of the enterprise crew, who are all just kind of like, "Ah, oh, I want to I know what they're saying." You know and these what these guys're like, "This is a me, fucking though? waste of time. You can't communicate with aliens.
1: Like your head cannon is spot on for me, but I needed that extra element of desperation, like, why are they desperate? I, I would have preferred to have had that tension raised because they needed to do this for some reason other than diplomacy, you know.
0: See that, but that to me, to me is like why it's so good. Is that he, like, he just wants to open a dialogue. It's purely a scientific motive for him, whereas so many of the, you, you know, like they, like he is, he's there to, he's there to expand his culture's knowledge of the galaxy in the same way that the Enterprise crew is. Those are stakes enough for for this
1: show. Yeah, and I and I like that about it. All right, I'm convinced. <laughs> but uh, but petulant second I in command win. over I on win. the Tamarian ship is is not into this plan. No, but, but the captain is like, I'm the captain around here. We're gonna do yeah. Darmok and Gelada Tanagra. We're gonna do that.
0: Yeah. So he's like, give me your knife, bro. And uh, he takes the knife from uh, from. From Tamarian Riker. And they, they, uh, he beams down, and, like, the camera pans over, and as he is beaming down, so too is JLP. And they wind up on the surface of this planet. Make, 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 make it so. Make it so. Make, 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 make it so. Make it so. Make, 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 make it so. And so our two captains, and I think that... Um, We'll ultimately find out that this guy's name is Dathon, but uh, we have no name for him for most of the episode. So Dathon uh, is, is there, and he's got these two knives, and Picard is like, uh, Not into doing the knife fight there, buddy. I am not Paul Atreides. I'm not in the mood. Not in the mood. Mood's a thing for cattle and love play, not fighting. And uh, I'm not into it. I, I want to talk to you, not stab you. And um, and so the the alien cannot convince Picard to to pick up this knife, but but that's like the opening gambit. And so it, it becomes pretty clear pretty quickly that this wasn't meant to be a fight between the two of them, but, but somehow these knives are going to factor in and Captain Death on is gonna to try to convince Picard to is gonna try to is gonna try to communicate with Picard one way or another. And you know, like he he is kind of more at peace with how different their styles of communications are than Picard is. Like Picard is super frustrated for most of the first half of this episode.
1: He's the frustrated tourist in a country where he doesn't speak the language. Yeah. And he gets super bogged down with, you know, like most people do with foreign travel, like with wanting to say the thing perfectly and understand the thing perfectly when really the best you can hope for a lot of times is just uh, a minimum amount of understanding to get a point across. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, did you recognize the actor that played
0: uh, Captain Dathon?
1: I did. Who is it? He uh, he he plays the uh,
0: the guy that uh, that Chekhov beams down to Seti Alpha Six in
1: Wrath of Khan. That's right. That's the captain of the Reliant. Yeah. Man, so that bug really did a number on him. <laughs> yeah what the hell is that yeah he's got a lot of loaf you could do a whole show on what happened to the captain of the reliant that, that brought him to this point
0: <laughs> yeah it really scrambled his brain made him real confusing to talk to
1: yeah
0: so they're on this this planet and uh Picard is trying to make a campfire. Uh Captain Dason already made one and it's way better.
1: <laughs> what happened to Captain Picard between this episode and the final mission? Like in the final mission, he was he was yeah. rugged as shit. Like he yeah, was He had
0: real real top notch Boy Scout skills, and
1: in this one he's
0: having a tough time.
1: Yeah, he's willing to to die of exposure without fire out here on this planet. It seemed like it didn't seem like good character canon for him. Yeah, and
0: it was also just... I mean, like it would have been one thing if they showed him trying to make a fire and it not really working, but they show him get some flame and then he lets it go out.
1: They show is, uh, him giving up, and that's the part that that yeah. irked me, is that that doesn't seem in keeping with his character. Yeah. It seems like he's really rattled by this. Mm-hmm. And I, I really like... Uh, I thought that that was like a
0: like the one black mark on what could have otherwise been a great scene because um and especially with the HD remaster this is such a moody scene mm-hmm. they they really let it be dark and and it's not you know it's not like a like day for night bad night scene it's like it's really dark and uh, it is evocative of the uh, difficulty they are having you know seeing each other and uh, winds up with a little peace offering from Captain Death on throwing Picard a, a burning branch out of his own campfire Timber Timber what does that mean fire does Timber mean fire Timber his arms wide And uh, I think that that's like Kind of the first sign that we have That this is uh, Like Captain Dathan's idea here Is like let's take as long As we need to take to figure this shit out And meanwhile like up on the ship Like Riker is just boiling over Like he is so fucking flipped out About the fact that the captain is still Stuck there You're holding our captain I want him released Your action could be interpreted as an act of war They've been trying uh, some some transporter shit, and uh, that's not looking great. So they're gonna they're gonna send a a bunk bed with Worf and another security officer down to the planet's surface <laughs> and uh, see see if they can't pick the captain up that way. And uh, I thought it was a little a, a little whack that they only risk a bunk bed for for Captain Picard. You know.
1: We've talked before about how Riker and Worf are supposed to be best friends, even though Mm -hmm. that's a thread that hasn't been pulled for maybe an entire season. They've just sort of let that relationship play. I mean, Riker even says it like it's a gamble to send a shuttle down, but he's willing to do it, (laughs) and he's going to send his best friend to do it. Sir, the Tamarians are fully capable of stopping a shuttle. I'm aware
0: of that. Disrupting our transporter beam and firing on a shuttle are two entirely different things. I'm betting they're not going to push it that far. He's going to send his best friend, but one of his worst shuttles.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Weird decision, Riker.
0: Well, the the Tamarians on the ship managed to bullseye the starboard nacelle, and it's a very, uh, a very precise hit designed to make the shuttle not good enough to do this rescue mission but not to risk the lives of anybody on board. And so they come back aboard and and I think one thing I really like about this episode is all the speculation that's going on among the crew about like what the what the Tamarians are up to here because it is pretty mysterious. Like they don't have any way of like seeing what the what the goal is. And so everybody's sort of projecting their own, their own ideas of how the world works onto it. And Worf is convinced that this is some kind of Klingon bar mitzvah situation. I have confidence in his ability as a warrior. He will be victorious. Where there's gonna be some ritual knife fighting going on. And like Troy is really not a fan of this theory.
1: You're still assuming this is some kind of challenge ritual. We can't be certain of that.
0: She really hates that Worf is advancing this as the idea of what's of what's happening.
1: You could really make the case that no one likes Worf right now. And, ha- <laughs> yeah. and they haven't for a long time.
0: Well, I think that
1: this has got to be kind of the last straw, right? Like, how do you keep letting the captain get just beamed off the ship, dude? No one behaves in a way that... Makes the viewer feel like there is a close relationship there between Worf and anyone else on the crew. Yeah, like Guinan is the is the closest person to him at this point, but we're just supposed to take it <laughs> as face value that that they're friends. Yeah, I'm not seeing the evidence, Ben. Yeah, well, they're sort of freezing him out.
0: Yeah, it's Worf is going to have to start working out how to prevent unwanted transporter beams and how to open some doors on his own.
1: It feels like Barclay's more likable than Worf
0: at this point. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, uh, hey, Worf, remember that time you almost caused a Klingon civil war because of your stupid fucking honor?
1: <laughs> Dick. <laughs> <laughs> so that plan fails. And yeah. uh, on the planet, Picard and Dathan wake up the next morning looking pretty well-rested. Mm-hmm. Dathan's not in his camp, so Picard wanders over there to uh, to check out what he's got going on, finds finds a, a couple of brooches that Dathan put down on some rocks next to him, yeah. uh, and also finds his captain's log.
0: Yeah. What did you think of those gigas? Was that a religious ritual, or was that some sort of technology to like keep the area around his camp safe from snakes or something?
1: It could have been either, but they didn't really support either contention with any evidence afterwards. You just see him do, you see him practice whatever it is he was practicing with them, set them down and then go to sleep.
0: But that's what's so great about it, right? Like he does all these inscrutable things and they're like, they have the confidence not to pay that off.
1: Yeah, you know? I, do, I do like that, that you just see Picard regard it and then go to sleep. Yeah,
0: so so Picard is standing there paging through this guy's uh, diary, and there's like, like, I really like Picard, and I'm sure he likes me, but I don't know if he like likes me, and I'm hoping we go to the dance together, but he hasn't asked me yet, and I'm not sure if I should be nervous
1: about that because there's only like two weeks left. The captain's log is in the form of one of those folded paper, like, open up, open wide, open up, open wide things. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> what are those things called? They have a name. They do. Oh, well, well someone will write in. Somebody will, So Some dozens of people will write in. Uh,
0: <laughs> so, so yeah, he's, he's, like, looking through that, and Dathan comes... Comes running back, and Picard's like, "I wasn't looking. I, I uh, just, just found this. I wasn't actually reading it." And Dathan's like, yelling some crazy shit, and then we hear some rumbling noises. Daramok, Angelot, Antanagra. I was curious. I'm in Doha. Saka, Timba. His arms white. Timba. No,
1: enough! I'm not gonna fight you. You will just have.
0: This is like the squint into commercial right now. And the way Picard reacts to the, the rumbling noises really made me think that they were implying that Picard thought Dathan was ripping ass. <laughs> <laughs> he makes some stink face? Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's like, I good good lord, this alien is farting now. I am the as a all. You will assist us.
1: I am the as a all. It seems like we might have a rock monster situation in progress. Mm. Yeah, and I mean, this has got to remind him of the situation uh, in the final mission, where he got crushed by all those rocks and almost died.
0: Yeah, probably also like a little bit Galaxy Quest. Like it feels a little bit like Tim Allen fighting that guy, that rock monster. Yeah. So a lot of uh, a lot of valences with regard to rock monsters, right, Adam? So many valences. The captain, not our captain. I'm talking about uh, Dathan here. Is uh, is trying to talk Picard through a, a little bit of tactics, and um, and the tactics he would like to pursue uh, have to do with uh, fists open, fists closed. A strategy with fist open. With fist open. His army with fists closed. With this closed, he doesn't want this to be a Shaka when the walls fell type situation. He wants it to be, he, he wants it to be more of a uh, a Darmok and Jalada Tanagra type of situation. Right. He keeps he keeps saying this to to Picard as though Picard knows what any of that stuff means, and Picard is like, "Listen, like you keep saying these things, like I know the phrases now. Like I know all the fucking phrases." I know Temba has arms wide. I know Dharmak and Jalad on the ocean. But I like I don't know I don't know what you want me to do with this knife and that and that invisible rock monster over there is really terrifying me.
1: For some people repetition is how you learn a foreign language. Yeah. This is not the way that Picard likes to learn. He's more of a flashcards guy.
0: Yeah, he's not into immersion. <laughs> he's 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 more like uh he's like hey why don't you guys just put together a Duolingo send it over to my iPad and I'll uh I'll spend six months you know working on that for five or ten minutes a day sure <laughs> so uh so they're getting ready to fight this thing and meanwhile up on the ship uh, Ashley Judd and Jordy are working really hard on getting the annular confinement beam on the transporter. Uh, tweaked out so that they can try and punch it through this uh, disbursement field in the atmosphere.
1: Sometimes when I eat a lot of Chipotle, I have a hard time controlling my annular confinement beam. <laughs> yeah?
0: Yeah. Um, is that Has that been true since they instituted all those food safety policies, or back in the Wild West days of Chipotle when it was just like, hey man, fuck it, try one of these? <laughs> as true as it ever was. Oh man! Well, I thought that this sequence was. I find
1: great. that like three emodium really helps control my annular confinement beam. <laughs> yeah, you go with the uh, you, when when
0: you're when you're over there, you know, getting your napkins and hot sauce. Yeah, you get little little emodium to dash on the on the burrito as you eat it. Some Simemodium. <laughs> Tabasco brand emodium. Yeah, I thought this scene was great. There's. There's really authentic tension in both the fight scene and in the uh, in the transporter scene, and you're realizing as it as it unfolds that they're sort of working at cross purposes, like Picard is starting to get what this guy is is telling him. He's saying like fist open means like to lure the enemy with fist closed means we're gonna do like a pincer to attack.
1: Fist back and forth means jerk off. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you communicate,
0: isn't it? By by citing example, by metaphor. It's the first time he's kind of worked out like what all of these little citations the uh, the alien has been giving him uh, are meant to evoke. They all have metaphorical meanings. They they're all examples that he is citing, and he is hoping that. Picard will see the, the kind of imagery of those examples and follow suit. so they start this fight, and it's just then when the transporter beam is is good to go ah! and, and that means uh, Picard is momentarily stuck. In like mid transport, while Captain Dath- Dathan is getting mollywopped by this terrifying, half invisible creature,
1: it's weird that the transporter kind of freezes him in place, huh?
0: Yeah, I mean, that's there's a bunch of things that this episode really makes you wonder about with regards to the technology on this show. Like, it makes you wonder like how the, how is the Universal Translator doing this, where it can translate? phrases that are meaningless. And also, like, how does, like, how does a transporter beam work? Does it, like, does Picard have to freeze because he'll, like, half dematerialize if he moves? Or does it
1: actually, like, stop him from moving? Like, how does that work? How could it be anything besides extremely painful to be in two places at once like that? I've got a piece of him, Commander, but that's all. On a molecular level, your body has been ripped in half. Yeah, it's got to be awful. Yeah. No one says it. Yeah. You mentioned the uh, the moment in Shimoda Corner with Ashley Judd and Jordy. 157 over standard. It's as solid as it'll go, Commander. I want to go yeah. back to that a little bit. They have, on occasion on this show, teased a new character with three or four lines of dialogue that we never see again. Yeah. And they do a great job hiding the Judd here. Like, you know you know she's going to be a character... Uh, for a few episodes in an arc coming up, but Yeah.
0: They 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 buried the Judd lead here.
1: They don't give her any more than they've given anyone else.
0: Right. So that was nice restraint. It's the equivalent of like a helmsman who has appeared several times on screen, gets a few lines in one episode, and then is replaced very unceremoniously by a different helmsman.
1: Right, exactly.
0: Yeah. And And I think that despite the fact that all she's given to do here is kind of like technical jargon to yell at Jordy, like she brings uh, a real intensity to the performance. Matrix
1: levels. Annular convergence, 439.205. Confinement resolution, 0.527. That isn't going to do it. Increase thermal input coefficient
0: to 150%.
1: Increasing now.
0: It seems like higher level than your average person saying technobabble. In the background. Right.
1: She's talking about annular confinement beam spin.
0: Was she, like, a f- famous
1: actor at this point? She seems super young, right? I think she was just starting out at this point. Yeah. I mean, she was not a... On her resume, I don't think it's an actor first at this point.
0: She hadn't double jeopardied or anything
1: by this point. No. No. Looks like this one's a collector. <laughs> <laughs> That was from the trailer.
0: (laughs) I like the cigar thumbs on Captain Daython. Did you get a load of those thumbs?
1: I did. He's got some real Romeo and Julieta thumbs. He's got two Cuban cigars. Yeah. They're real Cubans. They're human
0: beings from Cuba. I said Cubans. What did you think I meant? The transporter gambit doesn't work, but it winds up that. Picard is able to scare this beast away, but not before it does some pretty significant damage to poor Captain Dathon, who's started to bleed some milk, and uh, he's pretty shredded.
1: His hit points are almost down all the way, and his his health meter's flashing. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's like he's blinking red intermittently, so you know that he, he it's not that many more hits before yeah before he's gonna. Before you move on to the next level?
1: Yeah. Make it so.
0: Make it so. So they've gotten to this stalemate where they know that the transporter thing is not going to work. They know that the bunk bed strategy is not going to work. And Troy and Data have been working really hard on the, on the language thing. And they've kind of gotten as far as Picard in figuring out what's going on, which seems crazy because... A bunch of Federation ships have, have encountered the children of Tama before, and not gotten as far as Data and Troy have. But um, but basically, what they the like McLaughlin group that they have with Riker is uh, is they're explaining that the Tamarians speak in metaphor, and everything is about imagery for them. Like their entire emotional and psychological worlds are. About citing like mytho-historical uh,
1: images, and that's how they communicate. And uh,
0: to me, this, this s-
1: is the moment where you decide whether it's a good episode or not.
0: Yeah. Well, there's a lot I like about this scene. I mean, Doctor Crusher and Troy are both big characters in this scene. They're they're just as important as anybody else in the room, which I feel like doesn't happen often enough for my taste they're coming up against this tension that I think is so classically Star Trek which is we have done the science on this one and it's still a challenge like we know the grammar of this language but none of the vocabulary and that is super frustrating but it's also it shows how smart they are you know
1: for an epiphany to work at this moment in the episode the viewer needs to have the epiphany at the same time as the characters mm-hmm. and I I don't know if it just means that, you know, we're older now and we we're more sophisticated viewers, but like, of course it was a metaphor. It was a metaphor the (laughs) whole time and you knew it from the first, the first scene of the show. So like for, for the payoff to happen three quarters of the way through and to have, you know, the light bulbs go off in the way that they do, it felt a little unsatisfying to me. Like, I'm not saying that the episode is bad because of it, but they... They shoot it and play it as like a total gravity drop of knowledge. Hey, what are you doing here? And I just felt like we were there before this as a viewer. Like, yeah, it was a metaphor, guys. Clearly. I think that what they're saying is a little bit more
0: nuanced than just it's a metaphor. I think what they're saying is we've, we like have worked out like what. Like a couple of these metaphors mean, but there's no way for us to on the fly figure out what all of them are and what they're supposed to mean to us. yeah and 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 that's an interesting problem to me. I don't know I they're mean, they're
1: halfway there. like they get it's sort of like uh, they've solved one of the variables in the in the calculus problem, but they still have a few more to solve for.
0: Yeah, I also wonder if it sort of suffers from the matrix problem a little bit. For you, where, you know, like it was this groundbreaking movie that got parodied and also imitated and changed so many things about how movies are made that when you watch the sequels, they just feel like cheap and stupid. And when Mm -hmm. you go back and watch the original, it's like, I don't like this. I can't believe that this was a revolutionary new kind of filmmaking one. (laughs) When it happened.
1: Yeah, the re- the retrospect can't help but harm the initial yeah. feeling.
0: Yeah, you know what's in the box. Yeah. To mix a metaphor.
1: <laughs> yeah, and again, like by saying that, I'm not saying it's a bad episode or that I didn't like it, but it was interesting how that appeared to be the peak. The climax of the episode seems to come 20 minutes before the end here.
0: Yeah. Well, and that's... So, so the rest of the episode is... Like about half of the rest of the episode is literally just like Picard and Captain Dathan hanging out by the campfire as as Dathan sort of bleeds out from his loaf and uh, and they kind of trade stories. Like Picard tells the epic of Gilgamesh to Dathan, Dathan tells the Darmok and Jalad story to Picard, and and like what Darmok and Jalad has meant. To him, the whole time is like two people coming from disparate places, meeting up on an island, kicking some ass, and leaving as friends. And that's what, that's the whole thing he's, he's been trying to do here is uh, getting him and Picard to, to kick some ass together so that they can at least have like one thing as a basis of common experience. And hopefully that will kickstart communication between their peoples. So, Captain Dathan like finally uh, has, has won Picard over and Picard kind of gets him now and he shuffles loose this mortal coil just as the rock monster comes back and just as the Enterprise crew works out a way to phaser the shit out of the Temerians. The particle beam emitters are inoperative, sir. To knock their scatter beam out of commission. Scattering field is down, sir. O'Brien, energize they beam Picard up just in the nick of time he runs up to the bridge and uh, gets on the FaceTime with the Temerian Riker and goes Dharmak and Jalad on the ocean and uh, everybody, on, uh, everybody on the Temerian ship is really excited and then he explains that Dathan bought the farm at El Adrell and uh, they have to touch their knives and touch their foreheads. Shaka, when the walls fell. Yeah. Pretty sad.
1: Yeah. This is the second time where Picard has looked out the window of his ready room somberly to end an episode. Yeah. That's his thinking window. (laughs) Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. He's got he's got a few more places to bum out on the ship than almost anybody else.
1: Yeah, it's true.
0: Yeah, kind of a melancholy ending. Like they achieved their goal, but uh, but at what cost? <laughs> and, and and Picard really admires this other captain for you know putting his his uh, scientific and diplomatic goals ahead of his own life. Tamarion was willing to risk all of us just for the hope of communication,
1: connection. Do you think the uh, the Temerians would have been just as satisfied had Picard been the one to die down there? I have a feeling the conclusion of this episode might be a little different. <laughs> I have a feeling there would be a smoking hulk of a Temerian ship, quite yeah. honestly.
0: Maybe. Definitely the Enterprise crew would not have been able to
1: establish any kind of communications with them. So, Do you think the Enterprise destroys the Temerian ship if Picard dies? Instead of uh, instead of Dainar? Like Rewenge? What does it mean?
0: It means Omerta. It means Rewenge. Like, we're going to get you back? That was our captain?
1: Yeah, I mean, in some ways I feel like the, the Temerians are more benevolent than... The federation at this moment like they they honor the sacrifice of the captain in a way that man Riker is so unhinged through the whole episode that I don't know that he would have he would have been able to resist that yeah
0: I don't know I mean like on the one hand yes they are but it's also a crazy thing to abduct somebody with the goal of establishing diplomatic relations so
1: it's different when you're the abductor versus the abductee I yeah I get that
0: (laughs) When uh, when Captain Dathon finally dies, it's like it's like he he shuffles loose this mortal coil, and just then you hear the the rock monster start screaming again. And I was like, was that a uh, was that one of those farts that happens right when you right when you die? You know,
1: you know people like pass a little gas when they when they go out. I think they pass more than that when they go out. Ben, things loosen up a little bit down there. Your annular confinement beam. Turns out completely You know, I don't really care which dress we get It doesn't matter to me, I just need to get off this white carpet
0: Nothing Ashley Judd can do to help you there
1: Yeah You can't reroute power Through the auxiliary coupling (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like you like this episode, Ben I do I like this episode a lot Might be my fave Really? Yeah. The, the, uh this is your Washington on your monument. Might be my Washington. This isn't gonna make my monument, Ben. I, re- I still am. really enjoyed it, but um, yeah. For for all the reasons I stated, this uh, it was a it was a I liked the episode and I thought it was good, but I did not think it was Capital G great. Hmm. Well, that's just like your opinion, man. Do you think it would have made? The episode better or worse if we get a scene on the Temerian ship that is the mirror image of of the Federation ship? Like where we where we as the viewer hear them talk in a way that we understand and Riker mm-hmm. and Picard sound alien and like we get to experience their frustration also? Or are we so, better off having them cloaked in the mystery?
0: So like one of them is reading a passage from the Book of Revelations, and it pushes in on his mouth until he says Armageddon, which is the only word that is common to Temerian and English.
1: Yeah, something like that is what I'm proposing. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, we should just get it over with and start a uh,
1: a uh, Hunt for Red October podcast. Mm. Indeed. Uh, ben, I'm, I'm seeing some some flashing lights. On my keyboard. You want to go check out what those are? Let's check them out. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental, income. supplemental.
0: Supplemental. Supplemental.
1: Supplemental.
0: Yeah, it's extra. By the interest alone,
1: could be enough to buy this ship.
0: Adam, we have a couple of personal Priority One messages here. Uh, the first one coming in on subspace is from the Jester Ferguson's. And it is to Lieutenant HBC and Crewman Landers. message reads like this. Oh boy, your cat Precious is turning out to be real weird. And we like that. The boy would love to see this weird cat and, and pee on your couch again. <laughs> I can't say thank you enough for introducing me to this podcast. Merry Christmas. Engage. Love and cuddles. Trisha, Michael, and Hamish. The boy.
1: So wait a second, is the cat peeing on the couch,
0: or is the boy? The way this reads, I can't help but think the boy might be peeing on the couch. Wow. Yeah.
1: That sounds like a real problem.
0: Yeah, I mean, cat pee is upsetting enough, but at, at least it's blessedly small amount of volume.
1: Oh man, but it reeks though, Ben. <laughs> Cleaned up a fair amount of cat pee in my life, and I might prefer boy pee, though... I think to even have a preference would be awful. <laughs> and so I will withhold any preference.
0: Yeah, you got to withhold preference, Adam. <laughs> we
1: well, have another one here, Adam. You want to read it? Sure. This message was sent to us specifically for the Darmok episode. It is from JP, and it is for B2H2. The message goes like this. To Khan, its light's bright. Jordi and Data in London. Their fist closed. Riker and Worf <laughs> in the holodeck, their palms open. Shimoda, his chips stacked. Crusher at Starfleet. Wesley at Academy. Worf at DS9. Q at Rest Stop, his eyes closed. <laughs> Renee at Vineyard, his arms open. Picard at Nexus, his smile wide. Riker and Worf in the holodeck, their swords drawn. Wow. I think I think uh, I think JP summarized the entire run of Star Trek the Next Generation in Darmok language. Yeah, that was like every every season accounted for.
0: Yeah. This was not a shaka when the walls fell situation at all.
1: No. Not this not one bit. This is a big success. <laughs> What's to marry in for that? Ben enjoying a sheet cake from his co-workers. <laughs> Ben
0: dreaming about a sheet cake that looks just like Ben (laughs) Well, that was a fun one Thank you for everybody that sent in Priority One messages Um,
1: This brings up an interesting uh, thing In that you can request Priority One messages for specific episodes Uh, If you do the math on when our episode schedule is uh, you You can pick out a show that works right with your specific message
0: yeah, nice one. Well, if you would like to do that or just throw one in the mix, regardless of what episode it's going to run against, go to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. It's 100 bucks for a personal and 200 for a commercial message.
1: Thanks, guys.
0: Damok, Angelad, and
1: A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess. Or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace,
0: Don't make your cool, creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com slash scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on?
1: Just one more week till max fun drive.
0: (laughs) Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating.
1: Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app.
0: And at MaximumFun.org.
1: Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda?
0: The smartest one, smartest one. Let the boy take over control. Shimoda! Who you make the warp drop hum? Warp drop hum. You gave up the ship to a child, Shimoda. Shimoda! Drunk Shimoda! Take important stuff, stack it up. Doesn't give a fuck, everybody's drunk. And Tasha Yars getting robot hump. Ben, 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 LOW! No! D-d-d-d-drug Shimoda. D-d-d-d-drug Shimoda. I sure did Adam. My Shimoda in this episode is Picard. So uh the, the first time they try and beam Picard up, he's like, no! <laughs> you know, cause the uh cause the the beast is attacking the other captain and he wants to be there for his boy. Like he feels like he's just started to kind of understand this guy, and then His crew, you know, doing everything that they should be doing, uh, moves like like traps him right at the most important moment of the fight. And uh, the second time he beams up, they are saving his bacon because the the rock monster is back, and Picard is surely doomed if he has to face this thing with a small dagger by himself. But he is in such a hurry when he gets up to the transporter pad that he just runs out of the room. And there's, like, a little look that he gives Chief O'Brien, which is a little bit of thank you, but it's also a little bit of, like, you really fucking blew it last time, asshole. (laughs) He just wordlessly runs out of the room without saying anything. But uh, in that one look, he spoke volumes.
1: What's unfortunate is O'Brien's going to go home after work and... And he's not going to have anyone to confide in. You think Keiko gives a shit about his work problems? (laughs) He's going to go home to to some like sea urchin ceviche dinner when all he wants is potatoes. Poor O'Brien. Well, uh, that was my Shimoda. How about you? You got one? I keep going back and forth. Like, on the one hand, the. Decision that makes the least amount of sense to me is Riker sending Worf based on his gamble, like, in, in the shuttle down to the planet. He's like, yeah. he's like, if I know those Temerians, and I don't, I'm doubting they're going to want to shoot down this this shuttle on its way to rescue the our two captains. So, this is worth it to me. Like, that. Yeah. that is weird, but I also can't get out of my head this whole costume change for Picard. Like... If we are to assume that he was given a costume that would be more flattering for him, more comfortable for him in the long term. Why am I wearing it now? I'll tell you why I'm wearing it now. Because the low talker asked me to, that's why. It's really fucking blousey, man. Like, he takes off his action (laughs) jacket down there, and he looks like one of those Santas that you put on your lawn that has the fan in it that's, like, inflating him. You look like you're going to... Swinging on a chandelier! Yeah. It's really big. Something is- happens
0: to the costume department in season five that was metastasized into Deep Space Nine, which is like, let's make the uniforms get dumpier and dumpier. Yeah. Like, like starting now and through Deep Space Nine until they get the uniforms that they wear in First Contact. Like, the the real fancy movie uniforms. Yeah. They got some dumposaurus uniforms in this shit.
1: Like, and if you look at Riker, I mean, Frakes is dealing with some health problems on this show, and he has for a couple of seasons. Like, if anyone needs a more comfy uniform, it's Frakes. (laughs) (laughs) Why don't they give it to him, too? Why doesn't everyone get jackets? (laughs) (laughs) Jackets all around. Yeah. So... I don't know. The more I think about it, the more I'm just calling attention to the strange decision it is to to put Picard in the action jacket. And also, like, you remember when when Picard gets slashed through the abdomen? Uh-huh. That's a great moment for maybe some rubber abs there. Mm. Why didn't he choose some rubber abs? If He could have uh, sold that.
0: If it had been a female character who had had the midriff of her uniform slashed, I would have thought it was incredibly sexist. yeah. But, yeah, for some reason, it's okay for Picard.
1: Yeah, Picard's showing some patch. Yeah. Got
0: that happy trail. (laughs) Follow that thing all the way down to Funtown. Uh, Do we have a Funtown episode coming up next time, Ben? We sure do. Our next episode is Season 5, Episode 3, Ensign Row. Picard suspects a high-level Federation conspiracy when the crew is ordered to locate the terrorist leader... Of a renegade race. Do you remember this episode, Adam?
1: I don't think it's any secret uh, that I have very strong feelings for Ensign Rowe.
0: You haven't been concealing that from
1: the viewers? Not at all. No? No. <laughs> <laughs> There's no conspiracy there, Ben. Uh, uh, I'm I'm super crushing on Ensign Rowe. Well, uh, would you veto this
0: episode, or are you... Excited to watch a
1: rowisode. <laughs> I'm excited to watch a rowisode, Ben. Cool. You keep making wow. up words, and <laughs> I'm just letting them slide for now, Ben. Yeah, I'm sure that'll come back to haunt me someday. <laughs> Indeed. Well, uh, one thing that continues to haunt us is the continued support that our viewers give us uh, by going to maximumfund.org/slash/donate. Uh, Their continued support really means a lot And helps us produce the show They also gather To places like Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit To have conversations About the show, make jokes of their own Jokes that are far better than ours uh, In all of those places but Only the liveliest Best conversations happen online Ben, isn't that right?
0: Yeah, every day Marvel at what a Cool community has grown up around this show So if you're if you're in the community, uh, get involved. I think cool about
1: people. quitting Twitter all the time, and the one thing that keeps me there is our viewers. So, thanks, guys.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, the Facebook had a great thread that you called my attention to the other day, which was people debating whether they would date Jordy or Data. Yeah, it was sort of a fuck Mary kale, but just a which of these two would you have a long-term relationship with? And uh, great question. The, the ladies of greatest gen had a real uh, a real uh, interesting discussion about that it, it was fun to be a fly on the wall for that one
1: yeah their answer may surprise you <laughs> uh,
0: well uh, we should thank dark materia for our theme music adam Ragusia for a lot of the other music here on the show let's let's throw a thanks to the great folks at MaximumFun.org for all of the support they've been giving us thanks everybody for listening and with that we'll be back at you next time with another great episode of star trek the next generation and an episode of the greatest generation that just has a lot of attitude
1: <laughs> we observe strict uniform code around here ben on this <laughs> podcast